What in the world is going on in Israel today? And how is this affecting, in particular, the Messianic Jewish community in Israel? How is it affecting the Palestinian Christians in, in the area? Uh, we're here with our special guest, Dr. Mitch Glazer, who is the president and CEO of Chosen People Ministries, also leads our Talbot Extension uh, in Messianic Jewish Studies in Brooklyn. Uh, he's got you know, people on the ground who are uh, aware of what's going on, maybe more so than what we hear in the news today. So, Mitch, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate you coming on with us. Are you welcome, Scott. And um, I'm happy to do this so that my Christian brothers and sisters can pray uh, even more effectively. We really need it. I take it that this week, maybe more so than in a long time, the, the, the psalmist admonition to pray for the peace of Jerusalem is, uh, is maybe more relevant than it's been in a long time. It is. And to pray for all the people of Jerusalem, we'll, we'll, we'll take Jerusalem as a stand-in for all of Israel. And we really, we really need people to pray. So how, how would you summarize what's happening in Israel this week? Sure. Um, it was a massive terrorist attack. Um, the uh, IDF actually found 1,500 bodies of uh, Hamas terrorists. And as of now, about 1,200 Israelis uh, have died. And of course, uh, we have probably over 1,000 uh, Palestinians in Gaza who have died. And I, I think there's something vitally uh, wrong and evil about a strategy that doesn't care about human life. We are now learning uh, that there are uh, story after story of atrocities. Um, and so we can get into it a little bit more, but it's been a very, very difficult um, revealing week as time went on, because there are actually still some terrorists uh, wandering in within Israel that uh, the IDF is trying to clean up. But uh, it's probably we probably have most of them, uh, but it's it's been it's been really difficult. And of course, now we settle in for the time of retaliation. It is the Middle East, and uh, so there will be massive retaliation, uh, and it might be only limited to Gaza. But if uh, Hamas or Hezbollah, I believe Iranian proxies, if they begin. Uh, really disturbing things from from the north. <clears throat> there have been a few missiles and a few things, but if they really go go at it, Israel will will have to respond. There's just too many people up there. And uh, um, uh, from the ground perspective, Scott, um, I, I've been to m almost all of these places, uh, and I've spent a lot of time in Shtarot or Sederot, Shtarot. And uh, Ashkelon, of course, and uh, we're involved with the Messianic Congregation in Ashkelon, and we've been ministering in Sederot for probably over 25 years, mostly among uh, a reduced number of uh, Russian Jewish elderly Holocaust survivors. And so these are real people to me, Scott, and so my, my heart's really been broken this week. So, Mitch, what do you hear? You have, I take it, 
I mean, you have chosen people staff in Israel. You have Messianic congregations that you've been involved with for a long time there. Uh, what, what, do, what do you hear from the people that you know who are on the ground in Israel that the average person outside the Middle East might not know about? Right. Well, first of all, I think a lot of Christians need to know that there's a thriving uh, Messianic body of Israeli Christians in, in Israel. And uh, sometimes because a lot of believers go there and take tours and they never meet real live Israeli believers like you and Sally did uh, when we, we asked, invited you over. And uh, I think that they don't, my brothers and sisters don't really um, understand how vital and how dynamic uh, the church is. And so the the belief and and they're Israelis, you know, and so you know they're all brokenhearted and devastated. They feel vulnerable. They feel disappointed in the government. They feel like they can't trust anybody anymore. And how could Israel have not known about uh, this? And so it's it's really messed up uh, uh, their their faith in the, in their own country. And so that's a, that's something very difficult and very painful to deal with. We had a pretty big meeting just the other day of a lot of our Israel staff and leadership and some of our, our U.S. leaders. And, you know, just listening to testimony after testimony of uh, people that they knew and people that they love. And um, just to give you one story, terrible story, but every, every one of these stories is terrible. We're, you know, we, uh, one of our staff members, uh, staff couples had, I don't know if you remember Moti, but one of our big black beard, but one of our staff couples had a little boy last night. It's about the only good news I can tell you, uh, you know, from this whole thing. So we've been ministering among elderly Holocaust survivors, as well as young people and, and kids through camps and retreats and all sorts of things. But uh, the, the Holocaust survivors have really endeared themselves to me. They all remind me of my grandparents, and and uh, they're not particularly bitter. They're kind of sweet, and they've always been very happy to have left the FSU and and ended up in a Jewish country where they did actually feel safe. Although there's, they've been having to deal with a lot of uh, I call them unguided missiles, particularly right uh, close to Gaza. But there's a little town near Beersheba called Ofakim, and it's right near uh, a, a kibbutz, Be'eri, uh, and both Be'eri and Ofakim became uh, targets, just like the, the concert uh, that everybody's heard about, which was really a New Age festival filled with kids. Uh, but these, these two places became a real focus, and in of Hakim, you have probably uh, a third religious Jews, a third kind of secular Jews, or actually quite a few Bedouin type people. And, uh, and then you have a third are elderly Russian Jews. And we've been ministering to these elderly Russian Jewish Holocaust survivors for, on and off for 20 years. And so we've gotten to know and love so many of them. And, and there probably were at, at least probably two or 3,000 of them. Now there's probably under, maybe under 500 because of the age. And 
So the Hamas terrorists who disguised themselves as IDF soldiers, they killed soldiers, took their uniforms, Israeli police, they killed the police, they stole the cars. And so uh, some of them thought that they were friendly and there to help them. But of course, it turned out the opposite. And so when the dust settled, really two days ago, so we found out pretty quickly, we found out that five of these elderly, wonderful, beautiful Russian Jewish Holocaust survivors were disgracefully killed. And uh, I mean, disgracefully. And, uh, and I won't go into depth on that. And I can't even speak it. And so they were disgracefully killed. And we knew each and every one of them, loved them, ministered to them. And uh, not really, it might have been one or two believers among them, but we're not sure. Uh, they were on their way a lot. And then there's a sixth man in his 90s who was there too, and we can't find him. So we don't know if the body uh, is somewhere that has not been found yet, or he may have been uh, taken as a prisoner uh, by Hamas. So there's about 150 plus who have been taken as prisoners by Hamas. And, you know, it broke everybody's heart. I mean, it just, we don't know what to do with the grief, you know, except to lay it on, on Jesus. And so it's just very, very grievous. And, uh, you know, so that's one story. There's another, just on the opposite end of it, uh, there's a young man from a Russian Jewish congregation in, in uh, Ashdod, and he has been a part of everything Chosen People's done. When he was a younger, he went to our children's camps. When he got older, he was part of our mentoring program. He might have been there when, when you were at Living Waters, Scott, I don't remember, but he's come to a lot of our different international programs where we bring together young Israeli Jewish believers and others from all over the globe. And his name is Daniel. And Daniel uh, was one of the, was really the first believer that we heard about who was killed in action. Um, then there's an, another young woman who was just killed in action yesterday among the believers. So, you know, the believers are a pretty tight group in Israel. There's there might be as many as uh, 20, 30,000 believers, but there are different streams. And these, both these kids were in the kind of in the more Russian oriented stream. And, and so everybody knew them because they were very dedicated believers. And, and so uh, this is the beginning. Uh, one of our uh, missionaries who's lived in Israel came back and then went back to Israel uh, and now he's been back, and I think he's going back. But in the interim, his youngest son of five kids uh, went to Israel as what we call a lone soldier. That's when your parents aren't there. And he's a lone soldier, and he is, he's headed for the, he's headed into Gaza. And uh, so, I mean, I could go on and on. There's just so many stories of, of grief and loss. And right now, the whole country is on is at wit's end because, you know, you have all of these hostages. And we've already heard lots of stories about how the hostages have been treated. You have massive rapes. You have uh, beheadings. You have killing of children. And, uh, and, and this is not propaganda. I mean, it's true. We know the parents and we know the people. And so it's, it's very difficult. The process is very hard for believers to deal with because 
you know, the Israeli Air Force and uh, soon the IDF have gone into Gaza. And, you know, to say that there's never collateral damage, you've got to be kidding. Of course there is. And uh, Israel's primary target, targets, of course, are uh, Hamas, known Hamas centers for making bombs and for leadership. Two Hamas leaders were taken out the other day, but there is collateral damage, of course. Collateral is such a cold word, actually. But I mean, these are people that Jesus died for, Jesus loves, and who knows, there might even be a few Christians among them. And so it's very difficult for believers, as it's always been, you know, to be on uh, different sides of, of, a, of a brutal war. And so this is what's going on. So, you know, it's just, it's just a very difficult season, and we believe for a variety of reasons that we're just actually at the beginning of the conflict. So, Mitch, I know some of the things that Chosen People has been involved with in Israel has been efforts to bring Messianic Jewish believers together and Palestinian Christians together. Um, I know you've you've been involved in those. Chosen People's been involved in those. Um, what to what to what degree are there Palestinian Christians who are being affected by this in Gaza? I know there's I know there's some in the West Bank, but in Gaza in particular. Uh, and how? What is what is this like having followers of Jesus on opposite sides of this conflict? Well, everybody hates it. I mean, if you remember a number of years ago, Scott, <clears throat> the United Bible Society had a bookstore in Gaza. And uh, the there's actually uh, has been, and I don't even know what the status is, a First Baptist Church of Gaza, if you can believe it. But the um, pastor of that church, um, uh, I, I, I heard this story from him. I heard it in the media, but I heard it from him exactly. But Hamas came into the bookstore, dragged out the bookstore manager, and uh, brutally killed him. And... This was about seven or eight years ago, at least. And so the, the real problem, uh, the real problem is, is Hamas. You know, when you talk about Hamas, you're really talking about ISIS. You're talking about the same mentality, the same worldview, and, um, and they just don't have a regard for human life. If you want to see the difference between Christianity and probably some version of folk Islam, you just have to see what's really happening there. And and there's just a disregard for human life. And so a lot of the Christians have left Gaza, just like they've left Bethlehem. And so, you, you know, you, you cannot easily have a fellowship meeting, over, could not over the last few years, between Palestinian Christians in Gaza and and Christians outside of, you know, um, Israeli Christians, because when they came back into Gaza, basically they had they had Hamas spies and guards watching who was going out, and what they were doing, and you know if if they knew that you were going out to um, meet with other believers, you know they'd kill you with with Christians with Israeli Christians. And so it, it was a very brutal atmosphere. So in terms of having fellowship, uh, it's obviously in Judea and Samaria, it's a little easier in, 
even East Jerusalem is a little e easier, but with Gaza, there was almost a complete um, cutting off of fellowship for the sake of the uh, safety of uh, the believers in Gaza. Very so is, is, is there a, is there a, a decent sized Christian community in Gaza still? No, I don't, I'm not an expert on it, but I, I would say certainly not anymore. And uh, I mean, even the, I, I, even the pastor of that church uh, left for the United States. And, uh, and so it's, it's really, it's a brutalized group of suffering Christians. And, uh, you know, it, it's really important that people do not say this is a Palestinian Israel Israeli conflict. I appreciate that. Spe spell that out for us a bit. Because it's it's not. Um, I mean, years and years and years ago, when they were just when everything was a little bit more normalized, it was no big deal to have a fellowship meeting. Like I used to bring young people over, and we would have prayer meetings and do is do Israeli dancing and uh, with Palestinian Christians. It's just not. It wasn't in the same vein. Uh, but when, and even when the Palestinian Authority was running Gaza, it was it was not great, but it was still okay. When once Gaza took, once Gaza was taken over by Hamas, I mean, you may as well have Iranian Shiite radicals, and so it was it was it was terrible, and it's been terrible ever since. I believe, and I, I'm sure I'm correct for the most part, although they can't do anything about it that the Palestinian Christians especially are victims of persecution, hatred, and uh, sometimes barbaric treatment uh, by uh, Hamas. And uh, so, you know, what, do you, what, do you, what are you going to do? You know, you, 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 have to, uh, you have to do your best through the whole situation, but it's, it's been very, very bad. Uh, for Christians. And I think, you know, the reduction in, in Bethlehem went from about 70% Christian to probably 15% Christian. So I don't know what the reduction was in Gaza, but I'm sure it was similar. Something similar. So that, I think that's helpful because I think a, a lot of our listeners may not be aware that, uh, you know, to say it's a Israeli-Palestinian conflict is not quite accurate. This is Israel and Hamas in particular yeah. in Gaza and Hamas, Hamas is a little is a different beast than other groups operating representing the Palestinians that be fair to say yeah i mean there are a few that are worse but most of them aren't but um, but you know the Mahmoud Abbas who leads the Palestinian authority i mean he he has not come out and condemned the barbarism of Hamas I think he's probably concerned about his own life, you know. Yeah, and uh, and when you deal with Lebanon, the north, uh, you actually have Hamas, some Hamas in Lebanon, and then you also have Hezbollah, and uh, they're all backed by uh, Iran, and we we know that. Now, Gaza is far less. Uh, Gaza is just far less. Um, well-equipped um, and because it's a little tighter to get everything in there. And uh, the Israelis, the best way to get it in there probably would be 
through uh, shipping it uh, on the Mediterranean. And, you know, the Israelis keep a pretty sharp eye on boats coming in off the Mediterranean. Gaza's right on the Mediterranean. And so if war breaks out in the north, it's going to be far more uh, serious because they have more missiles, more deadly missiles, more accurate missiles, and uh, more armaments because obviously it's pretty easy f to ship Iranian arms into uh, Lebanon. And so we're hoping and praying that this won't happen. So Mitch, in your judgment, what is, what is the likelihood of the, of the war spreading to other parts of the country? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's, I think, I don't think it's going to spread more in Israel. I think Israel's now on such alert that, that I mean, there might be, a, and there always has been a sporadic terrorist or two or a small cell that gets in through one of the tunnels that Israel just can't monitor every single last tunnel. But they came in on hang gliders. They came in on rafts. They came in, um, they broke through the wall. Remember, 1,500 murderers were roaming Israel. Yeah. You know? And right. so their intent was to kill and terrorize. And so... So they, uh, so they were not focused on military targets. They uh, were, if they found one, they took care of it. But no, they, were they were not. Discriminately. Yeah, they went to a what was sort of a new age rave and killed 275 uh, young adults. Killed them. Just shot them. Um threw grenades into uh, tents where they were sleep staying. You know, it's, it's on, they were trying to run away and they just followed them in their uh, vans and uh, their pickup trucks and just killed them. So I don't think that that will happen again right now. I, I, can't, I can't even imagine that would happen. So uh, I don't think the war will spread into Israel as it did. I would say there might be sporadic attempts. Okay. I think the war is going to be focused within Gaza. And I think, and remember, they have, a, they have 150, and they might have more Israeli uh, human shields because they, they captured so many people. And then, but if the war happens in Lebanon, there will be, a, there'll be some fierce... Uh, mostly missiles uh, coming into the northern part of Israel. I know because we have staff there and friends there. I know that they've been asked to stay in their homes. I know that they've been asked to uh, uh, to be prepared. Some have been evacuated. You know, I don't think in public I should say anything about some of the stuff I know. But, but without a doubt, it looks like either Israel's going to go in first or they're going to you know, and the game is usually they do something that is a provocation, then Israel has to go in. And, uh, but who knows what Israel's going to do? But I, I know that there are massive numbers of troops lining up in Gaza and uh, at the Lebanese border. And remember, there were 360,000 reserve troops uh, brought in. So it's a pretty big army. Now, Mitch, you, you said earlier that this, this is the Middle East and you expect retaliation to take, to take place. Um, what, 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 how do you respond to the people who say that 
you know, disproportionate retaliation just leads to a cycle that's never ending. I'd say that that person who said it doesn't understand the Middle East and they're naive. And that Westerners shouldn't tell Middle Eastern people how to do their life. And that sometimes we make, remember, Scott, my degrees are, my degrees in cultural anthropology. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, what I, you have to understand it from other people's perspectives. And I think my brothers and sisters need to understand it. And this will help pray. Um, uh, Retaliation, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, you know, that is part of the culture. That is your, it's it's inbred. You know, these are not Judeo-Christian Westerners who have a series of values and ethics that have in any way, shape or form been, been, uh, are, shaped by the Bible. It's, it's shaped by Cor- the Quran and, and, uh, and for the most part. And so there's, a, there's, if you, and if you don't retaliate, they'll come right back at you and kill you because the only thing, and this is true, the only thing that these folks understand is strength, brute force. And so if Israel doesn't respond, which Israel sometimes hasn't, because you have a lot of Westerners uh, in leadership in Israel, Netanyahu grew up in Philadelphia, you know, and so he graduated high school there at least. And so you have a lot of people with Western metal- mentalities, and they just, they just can't bring themselves to go all the way with this. But right now, if Israel does not wipe out Hamas, again, Israel doesn't want to wipe out the average Palestinian. That's the last thing they want to do. If Israel doesn't wipe out Gaza, who will use innocent Palestinians and certainly will will use Israelis uh, as human shields? But if if they're not wiped out, uh, then it will it will just come back. And, and you and you can see how ISIS has taken different forms. And even ISIS is a different form. So you have the Muslim Brotherhood, you have ISIS, you have um, you have Hamas, you have Hezbollah, and people say, well, they're, they're different groups. Well, actually, they have a lot of the same values, you know. And if you don't if you don't beat them, then they'll come right back at you, and they will not play nice. They will not abide by Judeo Christian values. It's a it's a you know it's a time when a nation like Israel needs to fight for its life. Um, it's, you know, we were, Israel wasn't able to do that with, with the Nazis. I mean, think about the Germans. Uh, nobody holds all Germans responsible for the Holocaust, but the Germans who somehow had to line up with Hitler, whether by force or by ideology, you know, um, they had they had to be destroyed because if if not, then they would come back in other forms, and and they'd continue to kill Jews, you know, and so we're we're grateful for that. And I think it's a matter of self. It's just a matter of self protection. It's a matter of survival, and so I think Israel's in a horrible bind, horrible bind, because they have to finish the job in order to do that. Innocent people will be killed, and probably not just innocent Palestinians, but innocent Israelis. Could you imagine 
having to make leadership decisions with that with that on your head, you know? No, thanks. Um, now, Mitch, I know Chosen People has lots of missionaries in Israel. Um, and and there, I know there are others you're hearing from, too. But how, how specifically are your staff being of service and serving the Lord during these times in Israel? Right. Um, we've, we've, of course, been doing need assessment over and over and over again, and it changes each day. Um, there's a lot of ministry that needs to be done with, with families um, you don't have to rebuild. We don't have to rebuild a lot of homes or institutions. Um, you know, the Iron Dome does a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, certainly have to do some of that, but chosen people probably won't do a lot of that. But there are people that are displaced. Um, I just, you know, one of the things we're working on is providing housing in Jerusalem and Tel Aviv for people who are leaving the north and leaving the southern part of Israel and leaving the coastal towns and gravitating towards Tel Aviv and towards Jerusalem. And they don't have any places to stay and, and their jobs are, in, are where they live. And so there's going to be a lot, a lot of human need. And we're already doing that. We have a center in Jerusalem, as you know, and it's already filled with families that uh, have moved from uh, actually Sederot uh, to uh, you know, we're just housing them and we're caring for them. Some are believers, some are not believers. Um, we have a children's camp going at our center in Jerusalem with about 14 or 15 kids. Their families moved outside of Jerusalem and, um, you know, they can't, they just can't take care of all their children. And so we are running children's camps. Today, a bunch of our staff packed up boxes of, well, to be honest with you, underwear and uh, and socks and uh, uh, food, because the, the IDF will catch up with itself. But once you have to assimilate a couple hundred thousand soldiers or, or more, 360 actually, you know, you just don't have enough to take care of them. And so uh, our, I got a picture of two of our staff wearing um, bulletproof vests in the getting into a car with boxes headed up to uh, uh, near the Lebanese border to provide uh, stuff. Um, one of our congregations in Naharia, which is sort of a suburb of Beirut, um, it's in Israel, but it's so close to, to Lebanon, um, they are going to use uh, their facility uh, as, a, as a place to, to help Israelis, uh, mostly soldiers. Um, we, we can't get into center road easily and we're dying to get in there so that we can just hold the hand of some of the, uh, elderly Holocaust survivors that, uh, have, uh, lost their, lost some of their friends and loved ones. Uh, the, there, one of the needs that people would never really figure out is the 360,000 who have been called up, plus probably 100,000 others, they're mostly men because these are battle units. And because they're mostly men, the, their wives are home with their kids, which means you have hundreds of thousands of Israeli women, many with children, 
who do not have a man around the house, and a lot of them can't even go shopping because they have to take care of their kids, and uh, and they can't leave the home easily because Israel's school system is shut down. Everything's back on COVID Zoom uh, programs, and so right now, you know the the economy is also going to stall. The men aren't. The men are in the army. They can't do their jobs. The women have to watch their kids taking, you know, going to school. They can't go to their jobs. And so we're going, we're just going house to house all over the country, uh, bringing groceries, bringing water, bringing uh, food, and, uh, and praying with people, believers and non-believers. And we can't, we, 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 even with dozens of staff members, we just can't do enough of it. And the local congregations, um, of, there are about 160, 170 of them. Those local congregations are also doing the same thing. I was talking to one of my friends this morning who's a pastor, uh, and he was on his way with a, a car filled with water and food and just visiting the people in his congregation because so many of, of the men were called up, and um, and he's trying to take care of them. So that's that's primarily the kinds of thing that we're doing now. We're also we also have a ministry to soldiers with PTSD, Scott. Nice. And, and and we have one of our missionaries who moved up to the Golan Heights and uh, rents a facility. And already, already before the before the battles have really. Begun. I mean, inside the Gaza or Lebanon, we've already had a rush of men and women uh, to to that place that we can just give them some rest and some pastoral care and and uh, mostly believers, but some who are not believers, and pray with them and feed them and keep them for you know four or five days or a week just to try to minister to them. But that area of ministry is going to become really big. And so we're, we're preparing for that as well. Chosen people, of course, we do direct evangelism. We plant congregations, as you know. We do a lot of online ministry. But chosen people, ever since we started in 1894, has always been sensitive to the social condition of the Jewish people. We began with poor Jewish immigrants coming from Eastern Europe to the Lower East Side of Manhattan. That was 1894. And so we ministered through the Holocaust, through displaced persons camps, through the Russian immigration, which was massive to Israel and the United States. And so we're always, we're always eager to show the love of Jesus in very, very practical ways. And I mean, that almost always leads to some kind of testimony. And uh, so that's, you know, chosen people is good in a crisis, Scott. We just don't have enough staff and obviously we need some funding but we we need people more than more than money that's for sure now talbot's had a partnership with you all uh for some time offering an mdiv and a certificate in both an mdiv and a certificate in messianic jewish studies you have a whole host of students both online and in residence in brooklyn how how has that affected your students well we have a couple uh, we we have a couple from Israel who are residential at our Feinberg Center in Brooklyn, and 
they they are devastated. You know, they've, it's a, a wife and husband and two kids, and I mean, just they need a lot a lot of care, uh, and so you know there are is and there are. One of the Israelis, Scott, who's been in our online program in Israel, was called up. He's 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 going to end up in Gaza somewhere, you know. So he probably won't be won't be doing his homework, you know. And at least not at least not for a while. Not for a while, and uh, so it it really deeply affects everything. And then uh, so many it's. You know, six degrees of separation, maybe five degrees among evangelicals sometimes is probably three degrees or two degrees among Jewish people. And so, you know, everybody has relatives and friends and family. So, um, I mean, you know, we've all had a lot of sleepless nights, including a lot of our students, because we we care so deeply. But it's not, you know, it's not about us. It's it's about them. And uh, our hearts are broken. So what, one, one final question for you, Mitch. How, how are you praying for what's going on in Israel? Because I think that could be a good model for how the rest of us ought to be praying too. Well, of course, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which I interpret as praying for the country, for the nation, for Jewish people globally. And of course, if you're praying for Jerusalem, well, there is East Jerusalem. There is, there's, uh, so we're praying for... Jewish people, for Jewish Israelis. And of course, we're praying for uh, Palestinians. Are we pr- I always pray first for believers. Um, and then I pray uh, for not yet believers. And uh, I, I do understand that when Jesus returns, our prayers will be answered. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death, no more disease. There'll be no more disunity, but we will all rally around the throne of King Jesus. And, uh, and so I pray, even so, come Lord Jesus, because a lot of us are really sick and tired of, of this existence. And, you know, everything, every time you think things are fine, you know, then it pops up again. Why? Why? Because... The nature of man is sinful, um, and when sin is undeterred, it becomes more and more evil. And so I, I pray that God would deliver us from evil, and I believe Hamas is evil. And so I, I, I pray that—I pray on the one hand that God would have mercy on their souls, and on the other hand, I do pray uh, that God will give them appropriate judgment. And uh, I know nobody wants to hear that, but David did pray imprecatory prayers. They're in the Bible. And, uh, and so I, I pray for peace. I pray for their salvation, but I pray for justice. Mitch, thank you so much for hanging out with me for a few minutes and giving us more of a boots on the ground perspective than we might get from watching CNN or other parts of the news, uh, we are we are just we are heartbroken by what's going on in Israel today, um, and how it's affecting the mess. You know, our our brothers and sisters in Christ, both on the Jewish and the Palestinian side, uh, but particularly I think how how it's impacting the, the Messianic Jewish community 
who they've, from everything you've told me in the past, they have a difficult enough existence just when life is relatively normal. Exactly. In, in Israel. <laughs> and this, this just simply magnifies it. So we, we're so thankful for what, what Chosen People Ministries is doing in Israel uh, and how you are, you are centered on uh, seeing how the Lord Jesus can be glorified um, and, you know, providing the kind of help and assistance that is so urgent and so necessary. So, Mitch, we are so grateful for what you all are doing. Thanks so much for the perspective you've given us. It's incredibly helpful. And I urge our listeners to continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Thank you, Scott. We're so grateful for the incredible partnership we've had with Talbot for all these years. We feel that Talbot and Biola are just a wonderfully supportive family, and we thank God uh, for you, Scott, and for all those who are serving at the school. Appreciate that, Mitch. This has been a special episode of the podcast, Think Biblically, Conversations on Faith and Culture. To submit comments, ask questions, or make suggestions on issues, issues you'd like us to cover or guests you'd like us to consider, you can email us at thinkbiblically at biola.edu. That's thinkbiblically at biola.edu. If you enjoyed today's conversation, give us a rating on your podcast app and share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, think biblically about everything. <music>